Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Anybody here for the first time tonight? Welcome. Welcome to anybody joining us on Zoom for the first time. I'd like to begin class by asking you to talk to each other for a few minutes before we meditate. I don't always remember to say this, but in these small, small groups, um, I try to only give you about five minutes. So when, when you're talking, uh, think, think about like you have one minute uh, to, to say what you want to say, because, you know, sometimes some, some of us have a lot to say. <laughs> and so it's a practice in, in being um, concise and you know, maybe you don't get to say everything that you want to say. Just you have like a minute or so and then pass it on to the next person. You don't need to be thorough. This is just a, a quick kind of check-in with each other. Um, and uh, I know in when you're here in person, you're sort of forced into it. Uh, at home, many of you choose to not join the breakout groups. Uh, which, you know, it's up to you on some level. Even if you're here in person, you can say like, I don't want to talk to any of these weirdos. That's, that's okay. But um, I encourage it. And I do believe it's part of the Buddhist practice to listen to each other and to push through that. Maybe it's on, maybe you don't join. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the second foundation of mindfulness, identifying pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral experiences. And so maybe uh, if you're one of the people, I'm totally guilt tripping you right now. If you're one of the people who doesn't join, uh, maybe you don't because it's unpleasant. And I just want to remind you that um, a huge part of what we're doing in practicing Buddhism is learning to do unpleasant things, learning to bring compassion and tolerance and, and, and acceptance to uh, that which is unpleasant in our experience rather than avoiding uh, the, the Buddha's teaching that says, hey, you can get free from suffering, never says you can get free from unpleasant experiences, but you can learn to deal with unpleasant experiences. And we learn to deal with them with wisdom and compassion by doing them, not by avoiding them. Avoidance is not a uh, strategy for enlightenment, <laughs> um, but learning to be in, in the discomfort, in the uncomfortable, self-conscious, uh, self-centeredness of the human condition that we're all in. So for a topic tonight, your relationship to pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, just thinking about these three, uh, where they're called feeling tones, um, what is your preference? Do you prefer pleasure over? <laughs> and what's more difficult for you? Uh, and maybe there's somebody here who, you know, joining us tonight who feels like actually pleasant is quite hard to tolerate. There, you know, then you could probably identify some pleasant things in your life. 
um, that, you know, the self-esteem or, or something that's hard to, to tolerate. But I'm, I'm curious, and I've looked at this a lot in my own life of what's more difficult, um, pain or neutrality? Dealing with something that's unpleasant or being bored? And I, I, I could identify patterns in my life where I would create pain in my life where I was, when I was bored, rather than being with something neutral that's not, you know, finding neutrality so unpleasant, so boring, that I would actually, um, you know, get myself into some trouble rather than learning to just relax into neutrality. So we'll talk about all three of these feeling tones tonight. And for your small groups, discuss it a little bit. Your relationship to pleasure, pain, neutrality in one minute. So, be, you know, <laughs> I like pleasure. Next. <laughs> Welcome back. So I'm uh, continuing to go through this um, book, Maha Sati. Patana Sutta, the Mahasati Patana Sutta, um, that uh, this is what the chants, the, the monks at the um, Thai Forest Tradition Monastery that we visited um, earlier this last year, that they chant, and this is how they practice. And so I'm going through this text over these few weeks. And um, I'll, I'll do a guided meditation in a minute, but I'll give you the translation um, that is as close as we can get to this is exactly what the Buddha taught. It might not be exactly, but it's as close as we can get. <laughs> it's what the Pali Canon, the suttas, the oldest historical Buddhist documents say the Buddha taught. And, uh, and this second foundation, uh, this is how it reads. It uses the term bhikkhus. Bhikkhus means monastics, those who have taken a vow of poverty and a vow of celibacy and um, are living uh, the, the full-time renunciates. Full-time uh, is the original context of this teaching. So uh, in this, where it says bhikkhus, I don't say it usually. I just translate it as uh, one, as a person, rather than you don't have to be a monk or a nun or a uh, one. So. And how does one dwell contemplating feelings and feelings? Here, one, when feeling a pleasant feeling, one understands, I feel a pleasant feeling. When feeling a painful feeling, one understands, I feel a painful feeling. When feeling neither painful nor pleasant feeling, one understands, I feel neither painful nor pleasant feelings, which we call neutrality, neither pleasant nor unpleasant or painful. Now, here's an interesting um, piece of it that I don't, I never talk about, but this is how they talk about it. Uh, when feeling a carnal pleasant feeling, one understands, I feel a carnal pleasant feeling. When feeling a carnal painful feeling, one understands, I feel a painful carnal feeling. When feeling a neither painful nor pleasant carnal feeling, one understands this sensation, this carnal body uh, feeling is neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And then a distinction between that to the next category, which is when feeling a spiritual 
pleasant feeling. One understands I am experiencing a non-carnal. This isn't about my body. I'm, what they're, they're calling spiritual feeling. This isn't just a sensation in my body. Um, when feeling a carnal, painful feeling, one understands I feel a spiritual painful feeling. When feeling a carnal, neither pleasant nor unpleasant, oh, no, not carnal, we're on spiritual. So anyways, you get it, right? Like, <laughs> it's so simple. And, the, and that's it, like that's the instruction. They repeat it three times because do, Buddhism does everything in triplicate. But it's really just this simple instruction. I understand this is pain. I understand bringing, and to really understand it, we have to be mindful. We have to be present. That's why it's a contemplation. That's why it's part of the mindfulness to actually be awake and aware of like, I'm in pain right now. That's what this is. Not in my head, in the future or in the past or in, you know, and the whole setup of mindfulness, which is non-judgmental. Not I'm in pain and I shouldn't be, or I'm in pain and why? but just an acceptance and an awareness of this is a painful feeling in my body, carnal, interesting translation. This is a painful physical feeling, or this is a painful emotional feeling, you know, spiritual. I, I don't love that they, I'm not even sure what poly word they're translating as spiritual, non-material, non-carnal. Uh, we could have a whole discussion about why spiritual, from my uh, opinion and perspective, isn't really the right word to use because we're not really talking about spirits. We're not talking about some sort of esoteric thing here. Uh, he, it's really just emotions that they're talking about. Pleasant, non-spiritual you know, spiritual experience is joy. A pleasant, you know, non-carnal spiritual experience is uh, love, is kindness, is, is compassion, is generosity, is equanimity. These are the, you know, positive emotions that they're calling spiritual feelings, what we call emotions, <laughs> Not, you know. And then there is this, um, have, you, have you ever heard the term sukha? Dukkha is the term that gets translated as suffering. Dukkha is the, we call it suffering. Sukha is the spiritual feeling of happiness with no sense-based source. When you're happy and there's nothing pleasant happening, it's not because you're sitting in the hot tub. It's not because you're eating something delicious. It's not because something really, you know, desirable has happened in your life. And you'll have this sometimes in meditation, you'll be sitting here and if you're in your body, you know, you'll be like, oh, and my body's actually uncomfortable. There's pain in my knee. I've been sitting here for a half hour and there's pain in my knee, but actually there's this great sense of joy without a source and it's called sukha. It's one of the factors of awakening and it's what they're referring to as a spiritual pleasant experience a positive emotional state that isn't based on getting something or doing something. It's just here. And sometimes meditation helps us access that, uncover it. So I'll, we'll come back to the text um, after the meditation, but let's meditate first.
beginning with the first foundation of mindfulness where we find our posture, we allow our eyes to close. We establish present time, non-judgmental awareness in the body. And it seems to work best if we can bring an attitude of friendliness, of kindness, patience and acceptance as the attitude, as the receptive intention of our practice. Spending the first few minutes just settling into mindfulness of the body, the posture, sitting, contact with the chair, the cushion, the breath coming and going, all of the sensations that this body produces, carnal sensations. In order to be present in the body, we have to disengage from our mind's habitual tendency to be thinking about the future and the past. So the encouragement is, for now, ignore what your mind is up to. Let the worries, the plans, the memories be in the background. as we direct awareness to the physical form. Generally, we stick with the sensations that the breath creates. But as you know from the instructions over the last few weeks, the Buddha goes on from mindfulness of the breath to becoming aware that this body is just the four elements or the 32 parts or the reflections on this body as being impermanent not exempt from death and decay. But for now, just this body breathing, your breath coming and going as the focus. You can immediately open to the second foundation, the feeling tone investigation. Even as you focus your attention on the sensations that the breath creates, is it pleasant? 
unpleasant or neither. How do you perceive your breath? As you feel the sensations at the nostrils, the breath coming and going. Don't think too hard, don't investigate or analyze this too deeply. But that open question, is this pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral?
When your attention is drawn back into thinking, acknowledge it, thinking about the future or the past. Try to identify, is that a pleasant thought that keeps calling for your attention? What's the feeling tone of that mind state? Are you worrying? Are you craving? Resenting, rehashing an old scenario, argument? Fantasizing about something So many sensations happening simultaneously, it's impossible to identify them all at once. Our attention is called usually to what's predominant, what's strongest, what's most unpleasant, calls for our attention. Experiment with scanning your attention slowly through your body, from the top of your head down through your face. Scanning your awareness slowly for sensation. What do you feel in your scalp, in your hair, your forehead? What do you feel in your face, your jaw, eyes, mouth? What is pleasant? Are there any pleasant sensations in your head and face? Is there anything unpleasant? Painful? How much of the sensations in the head and face are neither pleasant nor unpleasant? Bringing your attention down into the neck and shoulders, chest, back, trunk of the body. Investigating the carnal, painful sensations, carnal, pleasant sensations. Carnal, neither pleasurable nor painful, neutral.
arms and legs, hands and feet, this body, with all of the sensations. How much is neutral? You can feel the tops of your thighs or your arms. It's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Perhaps after sitting still for a few minutes, there's some unpleasantness. The contact with the cushion, the chair, back begins to ache. Ass begins to hurt. Beyond the physical, the carnal, pleasant and unpleasant and neutral. Is there any non-material, spiritual, emotional feelings present? Joy, sorrow, sadness, loneliness, grief, anger, fear. Observing the heart, the mind, without judgment, just acknowledging, yes, there's some feelings of loneliness, unpleasant, 
And there's some feelings of contentment, tranquility, ease, pleasant. opening to the heart and mind and all of the sense doors when sounds, the sound of my voice or the cars, sounds in the room or outside of the room. Investigating, is that a pleasant sound, unpleasant? What's the feeling tone of these sounds? Are any images even behind the closed eyelids? There's still some sense of seeing, shape, color, form, mental images. What's the feeling tone of what you're hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking? Whatever you're paying attention to right now, what's happening, the breath coming and going, the body sitting still, the emotions in the heart and mind, the thoughts, taking that extra step to investigate, what's this feel like? What's this thought feel like? What's this sound feel like?
spending the last couple of minutes extending loving kindness to ourselves and each other. Saying to yourself, may I be at ease with myself just as I am. Say that to yourself a couple times internally and investigate the feeling tone. What's it feel like? Is it pleasant to say that to yourself or unpleasant or neutral? May I be at ease in this body, in this heart, in this mind. And then extend that wish to the people who you were in small groups with or people here in the Zoom community and the in-person community, extending loving kindness. May you be at ease in your life. May you be at ease in the midst of the joy and sorrow, pleasure and pain. And how's that feel to extend? What's the feeling tone of extending loving kindness to each other? Saying a couple phrases, investigating how it feels. Extending outward and widening circles in all directions, east and west, north and south, above, below, until we cover the whole planet with wishes for ease, for well-being, with compassion for all of the sorrow and suffering on this planet. And also appreciation for all of the joy, happiness, and well-being that does exist. The Buddha says, cherishing all living beings the way that the ideal parent would cherish their own children. Cherishing all living beings, those near and far away, those being born and those dying, those who we agree with, as well as those who we disagree with, even our enemies held in the intention of loving kindness. May all beings be at ease. And investigating, analyzing the feeling tone of these phrases as you say them in your heart.
Does it feel pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral to extend loving kindness to all living beings? And what's the feeling tone of hearing the bell ring? <laughs> and as you open your eyes, what's the feeling tone of seeing? Pleasant or unpleasant, neutral, perhaps the self-consciousness that comes back in when we re-engage uh, with uh, people, whether we're looking at the screen or in the room. As you shift your body and stretch after sitting still. Almost all of the movements that we make Watch, you know, do the practice even now or at some point of like looking at the intention behind every movement of the body. Almost every single movement of our bodies is motivated by thinking it'll be more pleasant to move. <laughs> some aversion, to, you know, like so after sitting and being like, yeah, well, there's some pain in my knee and my body and if I can just stretch and shake it out a little bit, I can avoid that unpleasantness and I can it'll be more pleasant to to shift. Try not blinking for a few minutes or not swallowing or not breathing. Try not to breathe. <laughs> now all of these things that we're usually not even that aware of or mindful of, they're all motivated by every time I swallow, it's because it's getting dry and that's unpleasant. Every time I blink, eyes are getting dry and that's unpleasant. And the body does, breathes all by itself and blinks all by itself and on some level swallows all by itself. But we're not even usually aware of, oh, this is all motivated by it's unpleasant when the eyes get dry or the throat gets dry or the, I hold my breath for too long. <laughs> I don't take, you know, uh, trying to avoid something unpleasant and create comfort. Before I go on and maybe look at the text again, does the meditation instruction make sense? Are you able to identify your perception of the sensation of your breath. The breath has a sensation. It has a feeling tone. We're always breathing if we're alive. <laughs> we can always be aware of our breath if we're being mindful. And, there's, and it's always being perceived as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Can you feel that? Can you see that in your practice? 
sometimes it's the breath isn't the best uh, or it's hard it's a little subtle um because it's many people experience it as pretty neutral it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant to just breathe or just breathing all the time but as you scanned your attention through your body in the practice could you identify all of the not all of them but many different coexisting you're sitting i, I i'm always uh one of the places i can always find pleasant almost always probably not always but almost always find pleasant in my sitting meditation is the contact of my hands with my where the where they're resting on my legs the warmth and that contact that touching almost always is this sort of subtly pleasant i can feel that and it's feels good just if i bring my attention to my hands resting on my on my legs it's a pleasant sensation pleasant carnal <laughs> sensation but at the same time uh, my back might be hurting or my ass is hurting and so at the same time i can feel the pleasantness can, did you get a sense of that where you can it's like oh there's some pleasure here and there's some pain here the body there's just too much going on to be like i'm in pain well my ass hurts but my hands feel fantastic my knee hurts but my shoulders and the whole trunk of my body is completely neutral you know like how much of, and i it'd be, it's how much of our of your body sensations are neither pleasant nor unpleasant could you get a sense of like wow there's so many sensations that we can feel but they're not pleasant nor unpleasant so generally we're not that interested in them any questions about the instructions i just want to make sure that it makes sense i all of you who are practice with me regularly know that i regularly give this instruction i think it's so central to what we're trying to do and I'm guilty of saying this probably about a lot of different things and maybe contradicting myself but uh on some level i think this is one of the most important maybe the most important aspect of mindfulness of buddhist meditation practice paying attention to the feeling tone and the most transformative the most um practical where we will have the most transformation where there's the most potential to decrease the suffering in our lives and if you're meditating in order to decrease the suffering in your lives this practice is necessary the second identifying what's happening and how it feels right makes because um from the buddhist perspective what i uh, believe uh, is that almost all of our suffering is happening because of our relationship to something pleasant or unpleasant either happening or not happening craving for something pleasant or clinging to something pleasant or being aversive to something unpleasant or afraid of something unpleasant happening and so this is the part of the teaching that will develop compassion for pain by turning towards it that will develop 
a non-identified, non-attached, non-clinging relationship to pleasure. This is where, like, if we really get good at, oh, that's pleasant, and just accepting it without clinging to it, imagine how much your suffering will decrease if you stop clinging to pleasant things and being attached and craving and chasing after pleasure and just accept pleasure is just this impermanent process that comes and goes. Likewise, with pain, how much your suffering will decrease if we stop ignoring, avoiding, suppressing uh, our pain. And we learn to sit with it without hatred, without aversion, without judgment, without fear, just pain, increasing our tolerance, our acceptance, ultimately, mercy and compassion. So this is where wisdom and compassion really get developed, really get uh, uh, applied. Rather than Buddhism being some sort of theoretical thing we believe in, the second found, it's where the transformation happens. It's where the suffering is created. And therefore, it's also where suffering can be alleviated right here in our relationship to pleasure, pain, and neutrality. It's key. It is the key. In the um, understanding and the first factor of the Eightfold Path, and the Buddha says, you know, here's the Eightfold Path, and here's how to understand uh, reality. There's only a couple of things in there where he says, you know, that we will come to understand as part of our path to awakening. One is cause and effect karma. You know, that everything, every intentional action has a consequence, has a fruit, has a karmic momentum that we're creating. The other thing is, is um, what's called dependent origination, that, that all of the suffering in our life is happening in this cycle. There's 12 links. And uh, the only way to free ourselves from this perpetual cycle of suffering is by bringing mindfulness to the feeling tone. Without mindfulness of the feeling tone, we're born into a body that will instantly cling. Mindfulness is an intervention. Without the inter intervention of mindfulness, your body just craves pleasure and clings to it. Your mind just hates pain and resents it and fears it. With mindfulness, there's actually uh, the potential of not suffering about pain, having compassion with mindfulness at that moment of the feeling tone. You ha we have to be present for this. I am in pain. Pain feels like this, whether it's physical or emotional, spiritual, painful. This is pleasure. Of course, there's also the understanding that of impermanence that's key with both our relationship to pleasure and pain. If everything wasn't impermanent, um, then maybe clinging wouldn't be such a problem. <laughs> but because everything's impermanent, clinging is the problem, creating our suffering. Now, when it comes to pain, 
impermanence not such a bad bad news is it it'll pass it'll change it won't last forever the pain is arising and it's passing reminds me of um one of the first teachings from the buddha First, he taught the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. Then there was a couple of other short um, interactions that he, he had with some people. But then the, the first really big sort of lecture that he gave um, was called the fire, fire Sermon. And he came just after his enlightenment and his ascetic friends had, he taught them the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. And then um, he came upon this group of um, fire worshipers, and they were described as matted hair ascetics. And um, matted hair meaning dreadlocks. And uh, they're, uh, they're um, Indian sadhus, which are like the sort of rastas of, of India, and their, their meditation is worshiping fire and smoking weed. And, um, you know, the, the, in the Shivite, you know, uh, aspect of of hinduism uh they're they're big on the chillum and smoking smoking weed and hash and and um you know have kind of turned it into their meditation so he comes upon a bunch of stoners <laughs> and um that are worshiping a bonfire as their spiritual practice shows up at burning man <laughs> And I don't want to go into the whole thing, but uh, to boil it down, he gives them this Dharma talk where he says, look, look, you're worshiping fire. Um, uh, my experience is that you don't have to uh, you know, look outside of you for fire. Just be mindful of your eye, your nose, your tongue, your body, that it's all burning. And if you bring mindfulness to the feeling tone, to the second foundation, you will see that your eye, it's constantly craving, burning for pleasant sights and burning aversive to unpleasant sights. And you'll see that the, the nose is on fire with craving for pleasant smells and, and gets burned by every stench, everything unpleasant. You ever feel that like, oh, it's burning my nose. Your fart is killing me. Just unpleasant. Aversive to the unpleasant. The tongue, that craving, burning with lust for pleasant tastes. Aversive to unpleasant, the burning with hatred self-centered delusion he said this whole body it's called the fire sermon because he says like when you look at your direct experience you'll see the suffering of craving aversion greed hatred delusion that are happening all by themselves it's not you are greedy or humanity it's this is just the human condition left unexamined or untrained we're just constantly chasing pleasure 
sometimes in overt in extreme ways many of us became alcoholics and drug addicts running from our pain chasing pleasure but even not in you know even just in the subtle ways of just like i don't know how to be uncomfortable I'm constantly fidgeting i don't know how to rest in neutrality constantly craving i don't know how to tolerate <laughs> i was teaching for some years at these big yoga festivals all the beautiful people <laughs> and i used to love to give them these teachings and we'd be in these big outdoor with you know sometimes thousands of people doing yoga and meditation and uh, but it was always porta potties and so i used to love to say like you know the real spiritual practice isn't how good you are at touching your toes but how much equanimity can you keep in the porta potty with the you know with the do you have compassion do you have you know to be at ease in the midst of something that's unpleasant when it's a hundred degrees out and it's fucking boiling poop plastic you know and it's just on you know most of us would agree pretty unpleasant to go in there but can i develop that kind of wisdom and that kind of equanimity to just know this is just unpleasant i don't have to suffer about it i don't have to like it but i don't have to hate it i don't have to meet it with judgment and fear and aversion i can actually be in there and be at ease in the midst of a quite unpleasant sensation and smell and and so there how many you know how many times today did you experience something unpleasant? How many? And then, and then, without even the external world giving us all of these opportunities, the other thing in the meditation that I asked you to look at is just watch your mind. It's really next week we'll go into the third foundation, but this second foundation applies to everything in the body and all of the sense doors, and then everything in our heart and mind. So you don't even have to be in a porta potty to just sit here and be like, God, all these unpleasant thoughts just keep coming. How many unpleasant thoughts did you have today? Just the mind out of nowhere saying, like, hey, you should be angry at somebody or you should be craving for something or you should judge yourself or you know, all of that human mind tendency and a lot of the mind's tendency is pretty unpleasant especially for us you know unenlightened people but i think that even for uh even if we become buddhas i think you still have unpleasant thoughts and you definitely still have unpleasant sensations. The Buddha, even after enlightenment, had chronic pain. He lived with chronic back pain. He lived with uh, a, a foot injury for the second half of his life, walking around barefoot with a with broken broken up foot and chronic back pain and. Pain is unavoidable, 
and it's repetitive, it's persistent, it's pernicious, <laughs> it's <laughs> pervasive. And not just big pains, just, you know, yes, you're, you know, we'll all have some big heartbreaks and big losses and griefs and, uh, you know, maybe eventually injuries and illnesses and all of that. But even if you're in a place in your life where you're like pretty young and pretty healthy and pretty, you know, everything's, you know, nothing's kind of fallen apart quite <laughs> yet. Still, just all of the unpleasantness of existence. Mindfulness has the potential when we bring moment-to-moment -moment awareness to lead to more acceptance of the pain and the unpleasantness of existence. Break the delusion that we should be comfortable all the time. Break the uh, fantasy that we're doing something wrong if we're uncomfortable and learning to be uncomfortable and finding that balance. I know sometimes I catch my, I hear myself talking about it and I say, oh, it sounds almost like um, masochistic because I believe that what Buddhism is teaching us is, um, of course, you avoid what pain you can avoid. It's not saying don't, you know, have enough discernment to avoid what pain you can avoid in life. You can avoid some, you know, like, yes, yes, stretch. <laughs> you don't have to sit still forever. Yes, blink and swallow and breathe and eat and you know, be comfortable, but also develop the skill for all of the times where you can't be comfortable. You're on the airplane, you're stuck in traffic, you're, you have to use the porta potty. You have to, you know, develop the skill to be, you know, sitting meditation is so helpful. Learn to sit still and sit here with your thoughts and your sensations and your emotions and your pain and learn to be with it in preparation for the unavoidable pains of existence. And then with pleasure, the other side of the coin, you know, the Buddha gives that talk on the fire sermon and says, you know, your eyes, ears, nose, tongue, mouth, body, heart, mind are burning with lust. And it's the natural state of, of us humans, craving. Second noble truth, repetitive craving for sense pleasure. Three, three manifestations of craving, sense pleasures. I want to be comfortable. I want it to look beautiful, smell good, <laughs> feel comfortable, uh, taste delicious. I want to, you know, pleasure, 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 pleasure. Craving, repetitive. I want to get the right kind of attention. I don't want to get the wrong kind of attention. And I only want attention when I want attention and don't fucking pay attention to me if I... <laughs> Craving, repetitive craving for sense pleasures. And then the other two, I don't talk about that often, but in the classic, um, there's also the repetitive craving for um, 
permanence. And that's clinging, right? That's the, this is happening. And I don't even need it to be better or different or more. I just need it to not change. <laughs> I want to keep it. I want this to exist forever. You know, that moment when it's just right. I just want to want to exist in this healthy, comfortable, loving, just the right amount of attention from the right amount of right people, whatever it is. I want that. I want it to exist, but in permanence, and it doesn't, nothing lasts. We don't get to keep anything for. And then the third piece is that repetitive craving for non-existence when you're in pain. I want this to not exist. And sometimes we take it as, I want to not exist. If I have to feel this shit, I want to not exist. And we, you know, globally, rather than just it's painful emotion, I am painful emotion and I want to not exist rather than it's, and, um, you know, that suicidal ideation that comes up and, and, you know, people kill themselves. Our friend killed himself last week. And you've probably known people who, you know, in the midst of something painful that we don't want to experience, or maybe a, a long kind of series of painful saying, like, I, I want to, I want out. I'm craving for not existing. Now, the Buddha says it's suffering to crave for non-existence because also there's the Buddhist view that like you kill yourself and it doesn't work. It ends this body, but it doesn't end your karma. It doesn't end your existence. There's a something happening here, something unfolding. Uh, and so, I mean, I say it doesn't work. That might be a little too glib. It probably maybe work, works to get rid of the body. But if we are a karmic momentum with rebirth, it doesn't, it doesn't ultimately work. And that certainly is the, the Buddha's teaching. Then we just have to deal with birth and puberty again. You thought it was bad this time. <clears throat> So neither pleasant nor unpleasant carnal feelings and neither pleasant nor unpleasant spiritual feelings. The fuck does that mean? Like I pointed out in the meditation instructions, it's not so hard to identify sensations in your body that are neither pleasant nor unpleasant, that are neutral. I find it much more difficult to identify emotions that are neutral. I tend to be pretty, um, what's the word, by uh, e either or. 
It's either a pleasant feeling, emotion, or it's an unpleasant emotion. Because even the peaceful um, feelings like tranquility, serenity, or equanimity that aren't particularly pleasant, not like joyously pleasant, still I, I tend to feel that that tranquility is pleasant. Now, for me, that was the, that's the true. That's true for me these days. But it was um, a developed taste. I remember in my early practice, in the early days of recovery and practice, and coming from a place of uh, what felt like almost constant suffering and turmoil and resentment and self hatred and. And as it started, as the kind of suffering started to lift a little bit, and I did more and more meditation retreats, and I started to have some experiences of ease and tranquility. I didn't find them that pleasant. And I could see um, that there was still quite a bit of craving for serenity to be more pleasant than it is. for equanimity to be more intense rather than calm and balanced. Because, you know, for my tendency is um, towards, uh, I like intense experiences. I like, uh, you know, I'll even settle for pain over boredom. Um, and so it took some years of settling into maybe it was just growing up i started meditating so young and so much testosterone and, and whatever was going on with me in my you know late teens and early 20s and and through 30s and 40s and um it took a while before i could really appreciate the uh experience of serenity and enjoy it does anybody else have that? Like it's a developed taste. I thought I can remember hearing in recovery things about serenity and thinking like, well, I don't even know if I want that. In the beginning, in the beginning, I can remember serenity. I had this image of serenity was like um, a peaceful meadow. It was very this external. I couldn't imagine feeling it in here. It was like being in a peaceful meadow. And I was like, I fucking hate peaceful meadows. <laughs> like, let's pave it and skate it, you know, and fucking graffiti it. Like, don't take me to a peaceful meadow. I'll go and get a flamethrower and burn that fucking shit. You know, just that, that anger that I came to the practice with and that, you know, uh, fear or whatever. It took a while before I developed a taste for for meadows, for beautiful natural settings, for the wilderness, for the woods, for now I can quite enjoy it. So all of this is a developmental process. It's a gradual, as the man said, it's a gradual process of awakening. 
And as the Buddha was saying, you know, the, in the fire sermon, greed, hatred, and delusion, aversion to pain, clinging to pleasure is our default. Wisdom, so that's, you know, we're born into it. <laughs> Not your fault, default. Wisdom, non-attachment, compassion, taller, you know, is way over here. That's the goal. The practice of the Satipatthana that we're doing will start to move from, I'm not very good at being uncomfortable, I hate being bored, I don't like porta-potties, <laughs> to, you know, start moving the needle towards less and less clinging, understanding the impermanent nature of things. Slowly over the years of practice, it moves the, the needle towards wisdom, moves our, it's a gradual process towards non-attached appreciation for pleasure, a gradual process towards uh, compassion that goes through learning to tolerate with aversion, to tolerate without aversion, to tolerate with some friendliness and some care, to really being able to be in pain, physical or emotional pain, without hating it, with actually a tenderness. You heard in the instruction um, in the meditation where I said, the, the Buddha said, cherishing all living beings, like we would cherish, like a, the ideal parent. He actually says mother. Not all of us have the, that ideal mother. <laughs> Some of you had, you know, but the ideal parent would um, cherish their own only children. And including yourself in that cherishing, loving, compassionate towards our own pain, as well as our children, as well as each other, as well as all living beings. So what do you think? Questions, comments, second foundation, or any, anything about the Dharma? Please. We kind of talked about it in our group, uh, or at least I did. I think something I struggle with is mindfulness. Also, I, I realize more and more how bad I am at it. Um, when you're feeling like any type of pain, emotional, physical, and you identify it, if that's the first step, I don't really know what to do with that from there to the side of like compassion. Like, how does that, you know, how does identifying it and being mindful of it then transfer into actually being compassionate towards it? And then on the flip side, when you're experiencing pleasure and something good, and you become mindful of it, there's almost this knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, well, now I know this isn't going to last forever. How do I still enjoy it while not clinging to it? And it kind of just feels like this constant push and pull that I haven't quite wrapped my head around yet. How long have you been trying? <laughs> A while, I think, but not super long. A couple of years. couple years? Yeah. <laughs> So a couple different perspectives. Could you hear the question at home? Kind of. Um, the question is about, uh, you know, this place where we're identifying the pain, but 
that's not giving us instant compassion for it. This is kind of like, um, we're identifying the pain and we know that compassion is the right thing to do, but we don't quite have it yet. Or we're identifying the impermanent nature of pleasure. And then there's also that feeling of, fuck, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd rather not be so aware that this won't last because I'm quite enjoying this. Um, and I don't quite have the non-attached appreciation, you know, like I, I, I like that image of a gauge, you know, of kind of like, well, I started over here and two years in, I'm kind of just like over here. <laughs> and I, I, I want to really want to be full of wisdom and non-attachment and, but I'm not there yet. There's one perspective that some of the monastics and, you know, have that uh, this practice as you see, it doesn't say in this practice. I'll give you the, the last piece of it. But it doesn't say um, compassion. What it does say is um, contemplating the arising and passing of the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Contemplating the body, its nature of both arising and, and vanishing. Or else, mindfulness that there is a body is simply established in one to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and repeated mindfulness. And one will, and they dwell independent, not clinging to anything in the world. So it's saying through this practice, it will lead to not clinging to anything. So there's a perspective that says, all you got to do is keep doing this and eventually non-clinging and compassion. I was talking to one highly respected monk translator, um, serious, serious practice. One of the kind of, you know, ninja triple black belt of meditation. And he said his experience was using the Satipatthana was that his heart that slowly over the years of intense practice, he felt like there was like a heavy curtain blocking something in him. And that just doing the mindfulness of breath, the 32 parts, the corpse, the feeling tone investigation, the obser observing of the mind, the four, all four foundations. He said, it felt like just slowly over the years, you know, that needle that I use, he said, it was like, there's this um, curtain that was just drawn back over my heart. And that my heart just started to meet my pain with compassion. And my heart just started to meet pleasure with non-attached appreciation. And that I didn't make that happen or it just happened. It's the outcome of long-term mindful investigation. If you stick with it, it will happen. Is So there, that's one perspective. This technique will lead to non-attachment and compassion. The other perspective and that I hold a little bit more is in those moments when you say this is painful and I know compassion is the right thing, but I don't have it yet. You do what's called inclining, uh, bringing the intention and maybe using a phrase, something like, may I meet this with compassion? I don't really have it yet. I still fucking hate this. <laughs> may I learn to meet this unpleasant porta potty with compassion. Support a party of life. 
with compassion. <laughs> May I learn, right? And so it's just that it's like we do in the loving kindness or the forgiveness or the compassion practices, that aspirational intention setting, inclining, telling you, you know, and then having that humility of like, okay, I'm trying. Can't do it yet. I'm still way over here. That fucking curtain is closed most of the time still. But may I open it? Aspirational, aspirational, aspirational. And then you see five years in and 10 years in and 20 years in. Oh, shit. It's fucking happening. I actually can now meet my pain with compassion in a way that I couldn't two years ago. Little bit of progress, little bit of progress over the decades of meditation. Unfortunately, that's it's the bad news. This shit works. Now, the Buddha said, it took the Buddha seven years to attain non-attachment and compassion in that, that lifetime. And he said that if you could, um, supposedly in the, in the teachings, the tradition is, he said, if you could establish and maintain mindfulness, first he started with, he said, it took me for seven years. So that was his first, you know, somebody asked him, how long does it take him? First answer, seven years. That's what it took me. <laughs> seven years of full-time practice, not our half-ass, I meditate for 38 minutes a day, or I, minute, or I meditate for 30 minutes once a week when I come to class, right? That's like our half-ass shit. It's going to take us incarnations. <laughs> He's talking about like full-time, 24-7, dedicating your life to mindfulness. And we can do it. You know, you, can, you don't have to go be a monk. You can dedicate your life to mindfulness in your job, in your relationship, in your world, in the city. You don't have to be in the meadow. You, you can do it. But that's a strong commitment. So the first answer is seven years. And then he revises and he says, well, um, I did it in seven years, but I didn't have the instructions. You have the instructions. You've got the map. So actually, if you could maintain mindfulness for seven months, you could come to everything you need to know. And then he says, actually, 70 days. And then he says, final answer. If you could maintain mindfulness, moment-to-moment -moment mindfulness, unbroken mindfulness for seven days, you'd be awakened. It's one of the reasons why we do seven or 10-day retreats. <laughs> but all of you who've been on retreat know you can't maintain mindfulness all day. You're mindful for a few minutes and feeling the breath and body, and then you're off to the races fucking shopping, <laughs> reminiscing, resenting not mindful, you know, kind of lusting, you know, the mind's on fire again, you're on retreat, but you're not, you know, actually being present. It's a gradual skill that we develop. Um, so that inclining. So that's what I do. And I usually give it in the instructions. I did a little bit tonight, but when you recognize that it's pleasant, may I meet this with non-attached appreciation? the humility. I can't quite do it yet, but I'm trying. I'm going to keep trying. And I meet this with compassion. Even if the answer is not yet, may I keep trying to meet this unpleasantness with compassion, with non-attachment. And then you'll see the progress. And you've probably, you know, a couple of years, you've probably seen a little bit of progress.
All right, we're out of time. It's time. Announcements. Oh, t tomorrow's my birthday. Happy birthday. I want to announce that tomorrow's my birthday. Happy birthday to me. I'm going to be 53 years old. And um, I would like to uh, give you the opportunity to make a $53 donation <laughs> as a birthday offering to me and against the stream. Um, if you can, and you would like to, and you feel moved to, class is done by donation. Give whatever you can give, whatever you want to give. But if you can afford a $53 birthday donation to Against the Stream in my, uh, in my name, I've been doing this Monday night class on the West Side for almost 19 years now. Every Monday I show up and you know what? I don't get paid. <laughs> I show up out of generosity and I do it and I've done it for come on coming up on 20 years now every Monday night. Um, and you, you know, I give you know, whatever you want to offer. And I get some of the money, but most of the money actually goes to just paying the rent on the place and keeping against the stream going. So if you can do a $53 donation, great. If you want to give half of that or if you have nothing to give, know that you're always welcome to be here. It's not about the money. Um, the May weekend retreat is open for registration. It's starting to fill up, I believe. If you're planning to come to that May residential retreat here in Los Angeles and Echo Park, register soon. Uh, it's starting to fill up. Um, and that's all I really have for it. Oh, no, we have a day long. When's our day long? April 6th. April 6th, first Saturday in April. We're going to do a day long retreat here, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m sitting walking you want to move that needle towards more compassion and, and and less clinging spend eight hours practicing it rather than you know just an hour here and there do a full day with me um come to retreat on the 6th of april gathering and sharing the merit as a practice of Acknowledging that we're all trying to get free. May we each get as free as possible in this lifetime. And together, may we create a positive change on this planet. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.